I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. The response cycle in arousal, self-love, intimacy, pleasure pursuit. You are normal, however you respond. Trying things and compiling a list of what you do and do not enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sexistentialist. I'm your host, M, and today we are talking about the ins and outs of arousal and uh, surely a ton more uh, with host of the Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators podcast, physician's assistant, pure romance consultant, and intimacy coach, Jordan Donnell. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, um, you're a bit of, at least in my mind, a kind of a sex podcast or sexual health, I should say, podcast guru um, and, and all, you know, all about all things vulva, vaginas, and women's health. And I'm super excited to have you on. Um, I've been listening to your your podcast, um, among others. There's, I mean, there's so much great sex, sex podcast content out there, but I was listening to your um, Anal August episodes um, recently. And I'm a as as um, people who know me know, I'm a big booty play fan, but it's a it's a process to get there, and so um, I've really loved listening to um, the episodes you've had on that most recently. I love that; those have been so fun to put together, especially the one on prostate play. Oh my god, yeah! I I mean, I will say I'm lucky at least that I have a prostate open minded male partner, just because it's like fun for me to learn about it and experiment with it. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot there. Um, but before we get into too much, um, I want to, you know, have you share a little bit about your background and how you found yourself um, in this line of work and, and making the content that you do. Yeah. So the way that it kind of started really was back in middle school, early years. As a teenager, I was the girl that all of my friends went to when they had their sex questions, when they had discharge, when they had odor, when they didn't know what birth control to use, when they needed somebody to go with them to get plan B. I was the girl they all went to. And then through high school, that kind of continued. And then into college, I was introduced to peer romance, which is where I, for the first time, really learned what is a clitoris? What is a G-spot? Oh, there's more to what's happening, quote, down there. And then um, I became a peer romance consultant, had access to a lot of education, was very intrigued, was loving sharing that with other women. And then I went and got my master's as a physician assistant, and I learned all kinds of stuff about women's health. And through my peer romance business, I had built this community for women and was sharing on a weekly basis all about things that happen to the women's body that we don't talk about. Everything from pelvic organ prolapse to why I'm not interested in sex to endometriosis, PCOS, all of these conditions that unless you know somebody that's dealt with it and has been open about it, you've probably never heard about it. And I realized at that point that more women needed this information. And that's where my podcast started because I felt that all of these ladies needed to be able to have good resources, to be educated, to be aware, and to not feel alone when they are going through something. Yeah, I think that's that's huge. Um, I, I think in listening to all of all of the other sex podcast content out there, it is a continuous um, theme of there are a lot of issues we don't talk about. And more importantly, um, kind of as a result, 
we all feel super isolated in whatever weird and quirky thing or genuine health concern, you know, that we're experiencing in our day to day, um, like sexually or just general health wise. So, um, that's, that's great. And obviously as I've shared, I've, I've been super appreciative of your content. Um, and I appreciate you sharing a bit about your background and I want to get into, as I've told everyone, um, some of the ins and outs, the biology, the anatomy. Um, but before we do that, I want to take a step back and give the audience a little bit more on Jordan. Um, And as everyone knows, my favorite way to do that is through um, some kind of sex or dating anecdote. Um, So I will open the floor to you now to share with us whatever that narrative is for you. So I have tons of stories. I'm actually in the process of writing a book about all of the men in my life and what I've learned from men. So it's hard to pick. Yes, I'm I'm really excited about it. It's hard to pick just one. You know what? I've got I've got the one for you. <laughs> so, I used to be a flight attendant, and when I was flight attending, we traveled all around, we had a good time, always went out with the pilots, never anything sexual, like it was actually the opposite of what people think. Like we were just friends and we would have somebody to go do something with. So, one night I was out in New York City with a couple pilots. We will call him Bubbles. Bubbles. I think I've seen this in in your Instagram captions. Yes. Yes. I'm not crazy. Yep. (laughs) You know exactly where this is going. So um, one night we had gone out to New York City. We were out drinking, having a good time. And eventually that night was kind of coming to a close. Bar was closed. We had to catch the subway back to New Jersey. We nearly missed the subway. We were jumping all of the, I don't know if you've ever ridden on the subway, but all of like the gates, we were jumping everything because we didn't have cash to pay for it because we didn't bring cash and it was a total mess. But eventually we get back to the hotel and all of our phones were dead. So thankfully I wrote down the hotel phone number to come pick us up because we wouldn't, didn't have a way to call them, and I was able to ask a stranger for their phone to call the hotel to pick us up. But we get back to the hotel, and one thing leads to another, and this pilot ends up coming back to my room with me. Another name for him could be Ginger. He was he was a ginger. Um, we love so, it. we love a ginger. Yes. So anyway, one thing leads to another. I'm on my period, and I am all team period sex, but frequently use that as an excuse as well to avoid sex sometimes. Fair enough. And so next thing I know, we are in the shower and this man thinks that it's a great idea to now have anal sex, which I had never experienced anal sex before. This was my first ever encounter. And what do you do when you're not prepared for anal sex? You don't have lubricant with you. So the man grabs conditioner and starts using conditioner as lubricant. The experience itself was fine. You know, it it wasn't, it was different. Your first experience, I think a lot of times is very, it's a different sensation that you have to get used to. So it was cool, whatever. I shit bubbles for weeks after that. So good. Yes. So don't use conditioner for lubricant. Highly recommend getting a quality silicone lubricant when it comes to anal sex. Um, don't, don't do what I did. 
I'm so glad, though, if I can say that it was just bubbles as opposed to like an irritation. I, when I was reading this in your caption, I was like, oh my God, like that's such a sensitive area. And I can imagine like someone having some like terribly fragranced conditioner and just like a rash or like, I don't know what the outcome of that could be. Um, Glad you used something as opposed to nothing, but also very relieved that the outcome was bubbles and not an alternative. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I didn't even think about that. It was hotel conditioner. So of course, hotel conditioner is very fragranted and, you know, cheap. Sure. But hey, you came out on the other side. Um, and I, We love an exploration moment, right? Like that's what it's all about. That is. It is. It's a good story to tell. And can I ask, have you like how do you feel about anal now? Was that like a really good start for you or was it, you know? So I always had this theory that I wanted to save something for my husband for whatever reason. And so I never really went back to it again until within the last year or so I started exploring the anal realm again. And, um, now I'm, I'm here for it. It's not necessarily my preferred choice, Sure. But it's on the menu as far as options. Okay. But it wasn't the conditioner debacle that kept you away from it for a while. Not at all. Well, that's good. See, team, be safe and open-minded. And who knows where it'll lead you. Let's take it to some of your areas of expertise, we'll say. Um, I think everyone, myself included, has a lot to learn still about the anatomy of arousal, um, the the physical response cycle and what some of those biological components really are. Um, so could you provide us with an overview, um, including kind of maybe defining a few key terms, right? So when we talk about uh, a physical response cycle, when we talk about arousal, like, are those things the same? Are they interconnected? What does that really mean um, for folks who are um, just really have no, no idea how to kind of conceptualize the, the biological aspect of, of those things? Yeah. So I think, you know, there's a couple of really good terms to understand. The response cycle and arousal, I would say, are not the same thing. You can be aroused and not be interested in sex. You can also be very interested in sex and not physically aroused or not wet as a female or not hard as a male. And so that's one of the really big things in the physical response cycle, you have desire, arousal, orgasm, resolution in women. That's kind of the standard model that people believe to follow. However, there are lots of different models that all seem to fit some women. So there's three standard models. You have like the Johnson and Masters model. Uh, the one that I was just talking about, and there's an additional one and about 30% of women feel 30% of women fall into each of those three response models. And so every single one of us is different in how we actually respond to the sexual response. But typically speaking, you know, you need some sort of arousal, you need some sort of are you attracted to this person, some sort of touch smell, uh, maybe some visual erotica, something that gets you going to have that desire to have intercourse. 
or, or um, intimacy. And then you are going to have a physical reaction where your heartbeat starts going faster. You're maybe breathing heavier. Your breasts may swell. Your labia may swell. As a female, they change color. That At that same time, your vaginal canal is lengthening and widening to allow for penetration. And all of this is happening kind of before the actual act of penetration. And I think that that's a really big thing that we miss is that as women, we are not necessarily demanding foreplay. And foreplay is extremely important to be ready for penetration and um, orgasm. Yeah, I think the breakdown of all of that is really crucial, um, especially the note on foreplay, right? Or just like the the idea that we need something to get us going, right? Whether it's visual stimuli or, or attraction. Um, on a on a related note, um, I saw on Instagram a, a while back, or maybe I was scrolling through your your content that you um, read "Come as You Are," um, which is a big favorite of mine. Um, it really helped me in my own pursuit of the ever elusive orgasm. And um, you know, from your perspective, do you feel it's important for? women in particular, but I guess uh, people in general too, to be mindful of an individual kind of physical response cycle um, in, in, you know, kind of the pursuit of pleasure. I think that it is super important that you learn how you respond and that your partner knows how you respond so that you can adapt your intimacy to what is best for you as a couple or as a um, relationship. So do you have any advice or easy ways that people can think about, um, tracking that, right? Like if there are cues, um, that maybe we aren't as mindful of that we can take note of in, in the moment. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things to help you learn yourself is to journal about your past experiences, the ones that you really, really liked. What did you like about that? What was the scene like? All of the positive things. And then journal about the ones that you really didn't like. What was it about that that you didn't like? And that will help you see those patterns of what to include in your future encounters to help you have the best sex possible continually. A question that comes to mind and, and maybe uh, maybe the answer is no, but is it possible or does it ever happen where women experience diff- different types of physical response cycles? You know, I know you said there are kind of these three and, and 30% fall into sort of each category, but um, what if one woman it, you know, can't seem to track it or it seems to be kind of all over the place. Does that happen? Um, I would say, I don't have a solid answer on this, but I would say yes, in that we all respond differently. And so you may not follow any particular graph or anything, or maybe sometimes it acts a certain way and other times it acts a different way, depending on the stimuli that's happening. And I think that it's important to know that you are normal however you respond. 
And that is something that is so important for women to understand about their body is that it's normal for it to be different than your girlfriend. It's normal for it to be different with a different partner. Like it's just normal to not be consistently the same. Yeah. I need to hear that sometimes probably more often than not. Um, you know, it's, it's tough when it's like, well, on Monday night when we had sex, like I, you know, achieved orgasm this way and it was super easy. And then now tonight, like I tried to recreate it and it just didn't happen again for me. Um, what am I doing wrong? Like what is where? Yeah. It's hard. I've, and I've had situations like that as well. Like I had um, somebody had flown out to see me. We spent four days together. Orgasms were so easy, like day two, three, come day four. I was like, I can't even orgasm anymore, even though we we've been able to orgasm, but I was in my head about something that prevented me from getting there. Yeah, no, I think, um, that's, yeah, I, I, that's relatable for me. I'm assuming it's a relatable experience for most people. I mean, men included, I think like, um, you know, obviously when predominantly talking about women's health, we're predominantly thinking about women's orgasms as well, but also, um, I think, sometimes anybody struggles to get it off for one reason or another. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, I think the journaling comment you made is, I mean, one sounds like something my therapist would recommend, which means obviously it's a good option. Uh, but also, uh, is, is something that, um, I don't know if I've done that. I mean, I journal, I journal so much, but not specifically about sexual encounters um and the details of them to that degree so maybe that's something i'm going to do too i think that's a really fun idea that's what i'm ultimately using my book as like a journal of all of my sexual encounters and it is so it's so fascinating to write these stories that's awesome no i can imagine you must be learning a ton about yourself that you didn't realize you had yet to learn Yeah. Or how certain situations had impacted my dating and my perspective on things. We're all going to have to do that now. Yes. So that kind of helps me segue a little bit into some of the less uh, biological, um, biologically focused information um, and, and lean into some of the other work that you do, which is centered of course, around self-love and intimacy um, and in components of what I think I continue to call pleasure pursuit, because at least pursuit is how I interpret it. But could you first kind of describe um, what inspired factoring some of those more emotional components into your work, which sounds like it initially was centered more around education, around um, health, um, more physical than emotional. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And my journey started as more of an education, help women learn about their bodies. And then the more into it I got, the deeper the journey that I went on, the more pleasure I discovered. And being able to share that with other women and what I've learned has become a huge part of what I do. That's amazing. Um, other than, or in addition to your personal experience in perceiving the physical and emotional kind of components of health and sexuality, um, how would you recommend other women work towards perceiving those things as coexisting? Yeah. So I think it's really important to learn what you like and spend time discovering yourself 
so that you're able to explain that to somebody else. And once you do a lot of self-exploration, you're able to have a better understanding of how you work, which is essential for getting more pleasure. I think that, yeah, that's like a, a beautiful and concise way of, of stating it. What what mindset, I guess, do you find yourself taking on to um, have a better physical outcome or what mindset would you um, or do you encourage other women to take on? Is that like one of confidence? Is it one of um, forgiveness? What does that look like? I think that it's a variety of things in the mindset, but I think the most important thing is learning to love yourself and have grace for yourself because that allows so much more love and pleasure into your life. And I think most importantly, if you don't love yourself, nobody else can love you. And so opening yourself up for positive self-talk, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I love you. You are doing the best that you can do with the skills that you have right now or with the tools that you have right now. Being able to have those affirmations and talk to yourself in a positive way it relates into the bedroom as well. So it sounds like it's, so I think sometimes when folks talk about self-love, especially on Instagram, it can be almost this toxic positivity version where it's like disregarding um, who we are as individuals and focusing on sort of like the facade that we build. But it sounds like um, your take is, is a much more, holistic like um, acknowledgement of where we are in our current state and and having you use the word grace which I think is a really um, I think tonally represents um, you know what your perception of of self-love is um, as opposed to some of these other skewed I'll say takes takes on what that look like looks like yeah absolutely I think you know every day isn't perfect. It isn't easy every single day. And some days it's harder than others. So you have to give yourself grace and talk to yourself in a positive way, but also give yourself grace for when, you know, yeah, maybe you didn't do X, Y, and Z the way you initially wanted to, but you did do this. You did do that. And really giving yourself grace for what you are trying to do. I love that. Um, And I think from my own personal experience, like patience and kindness with myself definitely helps um, in the pursuit of bigger and better pleasurable experiences. Um, But Grace, I'm really honed in on that word. I think that's a really beautiful, um, yeah, I think that's a really beautiful way of putting that. Yeah. And I think too, when you are loving yourself, then in the bedroom, you can, you're more confident in the bedroom. You show up differently when you are with your partner and they, they can feel that that radiates over. And so I think that that's kind of how it really translates intimately. So for women in particular who find themselves really struggling with, um, physical or sexual confidence, um, what ways, um, or if you have any recommendations for ways that, you know, we all can practice some of that 
self-kindness and grace in the moment while in bed. Because I think for me, at least, like I can wake up in the morning and be like, you know, I have a really busy day at work, but you know, I was super productive today and I'm feeling a lot of confidence and self-love, but sometimes it's like, and now I'm, you know, bent over my bed in my bedroom and I'm super self-conscious about X, Y, and Z, or like I'm in my head about um, something I didn't do at work and I'm totally lacking in in my ability to be present. So how do we, um, how do I reconcile that? I think that the answer to that is really outside of the bedroom Mm -hmm. and taking time. Like one of the things that I've really done is meditate Mm -hmm. and meditating has allowed me to focus more on how I'm feeling so that when I am in the bedroom and my mind is going all over the place, I have the skills to focus that back into my body and what I'm physically feeling at that moment. So that's one tool that I highly recommend is start doing meditation. And then when your mind wanders in the bedroom, because as women, especially as women, like it happens, it's bound to happen. And the other thing also outside of the bedroom is look in the mirror every day and tell yourself something positive about yourself. And so when you're in bed, you can remember like, Hey, you know, like I, I love this about me. Or when you're feeling self-conscious in the bedroom, you can be like, Oh, but I, I love this about me, you know, or remember that like your partner doesn't care about those little things that you are thinking about most of the time. Yeah. I think, um, that last one. I have to work on that one in particular. I'm always like, oh my gosh, my partner's going to notice that like I'm super bloated or that I'm, you know, it's like, oh, I was thinking about work for a few seconds. He's going to notice that I was thinking about work and not be as into it. Um, so I think that's, that's really important and a good reminder for me too in my own day-to-day practices. Um, are there any recommendations that you have, um, you know, if I was to sit down with my partner today and say, Hey, I would be really helpful if you, you know, did this thing for me, um, in our day to day or, um, during foreplay to help me feel more, um, confident and self-loving. What, what would I tell him? So I think the biggest thing is communicating it period. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly encourage when you want to have those conversations, have those conversations outside of the bedroom. So don't do it when you're in the heat of the moment and always shine or like start with a positive light. So I really like it when you do this so that when you give them that positive reinforcement, they're going to continue to do that. Especially men, that's kind of just how they naturally respond. Um, The other thing, like if you are having a hard time having those conversations and bringing that up, one of the things that I love to tell ladies is like, Hey, I heard this on a podcast. Why don't we try this? Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite ideas is put like different things on a piece of paper that you might be interested in trying, or you want to have discussions about and put them in a, like a little jar and then pull them out and you can read them and be like, Oh, what are your thoughts on this? This is something that Jordan said I should write on a piece of paper. Um, even though it may not be something that I said, it might be something that you thought of, but you can, you can blame it on me and that can help with the conversation as well. I think that's a great idea. Um, I, unfortunately am coming from the standpoint where my partner knows I'm, um, on the internet all the time reading about sex and sexual wellness. So 
I don't know if I can blame it on Jordan, but um, everyone else can. Um, and if you don't want to play, if you blame it on Jordan too many times, I will happily take the blame for one of those uh, dark components as well. Um, I think that's that's a really um, it's a it's a good idea. Um, I agree to to keep it out of the heat of the moment because it's um, it's tough when everyone's hot and bothered to have a conversation that makes sense. Um, but you know, it's, it's also sometimes, um, hard to have a conversation when you're just in your day-to-day cooking dinner together. So it's all about, it's all about the process of, of getting good at communicating. Yeah. And it definitely can be hard to have those conversations. I know for me, like communicating is not something that has been a strong point in my life and that I have had to learn how to be a better communicator and how to communicate effectively unrelated to intimacy and just in life. And so when you add the intimacy component to it, like it, it's scary. It's hard sometimes, especially if it's not something that you were taught how to do or you grew up seeing or you are learning to do the first time. Like it's, it's not going to be easy. And that's where like having some tools, like things that you can blame it on can be really helpful because then you aren't, you know, coming in and, oh, this is my idea. Eh, you know, if it doesn't go very well, well, you know, that was Jordan. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I love it. I'm going to blame stuff on you. I don't even know what it's going to be yet, but stay tuned. Um, and I think, um, I think too, like this all ties back to your insight um, at the, at the beginning of the episode about journaling, about sexual history. Um and taking into account what some of that physical response cycle and um, kind of phases of arousal have looked like as an individual, it seems like that's, um, in my mind, at least a really good starting point for making that communication easier. Absolutely. And when you're journaling, journal about what you would like to see too. So once you've identified like what you like, maybe there's something else that you still want Um, one of the tools that I use with my clients, I have this get the sex you desire workbook and I have this workbook where it has, oh, like eight pages of different ideas of things that can be pleasurable. And honestly, most of those things are not things that you would normally think about. It's everything from, do you want your toes sucked on to, do you want threesomes? Do you want mere play? What about anal? What about lube? What about spanking? Do you want to be kissed here or there or, or nowhere? And something like that can also help you when you are journaling or thinking about what you want to help give you other ideas of how to receive pleasure that may not be in this, you know, box of what you have done in the past. I mean, I personally love homework and worksheets. I'm a big fan. I mean, come as you are workbook. Um, folks, if you've read the book and haven't gotten the workbook, 10 out of 10 would, would do again. But um, I think that's great too, especially because um, you don't know what you don't like until you try it. And of course, that's not to say do things that really, really gross you out or make you acutely uncomfortable, right? But it, it is about you know, trying things and compiling a list of what you do and do not enjoy. You know, I, I wasn't pro butt play. Um, I was, I was like, 
I was cool with it, you know, a thumb every once in a while, like who's to say like, that's a problem. Right. But I, until I had a partner who had a lot of experience with it, um, both giving and receiving. And he was like really open to having a conversation with me about it and helping me figure out what, um, you know, trying all of that was going to look like. And there's so many possible routes for, for pleasure. Um, but I love that you're providing eight pages of solid gold tips and tricks for, um, for new experiences. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that he was able to show you and allow that for you. That's super awesome. Thank you. And you're right. There's so many ways of pleasure. You have thumbs, toys, objects, penises. I mean, so many things that, you know, we don't necessarily think about how to incorporate that into our menu of pleasure. Yeah, I think I'm very lucky um, that I have a partner who's willing to have a conversation with me about any of this. I um, have had partners who are not. I've had I've had partners who I think like a lot of women have, straight women have, who are like, I don't want you to have a toy because you're going to replace me with it standpoint, which is nuts. Um, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm super lucky, but I also think, um, I as an individual wouldn't be able to have the kinds of conversations I'm having if I hadn't done the personal work, um, and self-reflection. Um, I haven't journaled though, again, gonna have to do that one. Cause that's really like boggling my mind. <laughs> yeah. I 100% agree that if you haven't done the personal work, it makes it really hard to, have these conversations because you just don't, you haven't had that time to learn yourself. And how are you going to share that with somebody if you haven't done that work for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, um, I get, sorry, I just had a thought come to mind. Um, are there ways that we can, as individuals practice self-intimacy while masturbating, or does that kind of tie into some of the day-to-day non-sexual self-love as well. Something that I love doing is a self-pleasure masturbation and or self-pleasure meditation. And it is like this meditation where you're touching your body. I, I provide that for my clients. That's one of the things that a lot of them receive from me. And you're touching your body and exploring and only if you feel called to at the end, do you masturbate, but it gives you an opportunity to just feel and you set the scene and there's like a whole thing to it. And, um, that is one way to do that alone. I love that. That sounds fabulous. Um, you've mentioned that and you've mentioned your, one of your workbooks. Um, I know you're working on a a ton of stuff. You launched a six week program recently. Um, I would love to hear, um, or have the audience here kind of like everything that you really do and uh, like what resources you provide and what people, um, can reach out to you for and, and get in touch to work with you. Oh yeah. I would love that. So my website, I have tons of free resources. I have, um, the get your sex, you desire workbook there, I have um, things for preparing for your women's visit if you have questions or how to have conversations with your provider. Lots of different free resources there. Currently, I am taking one-on-one clients and helping them get the best sex ever. 
And I am also planning a bunch of retreats for next year. And I have some one day brunches in the works. So there's a lot of things that are coming up in the works. So uh, definitely stay tuned. You'll want to follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, it's Jordan Denell, J-O-R-D-A-N-D-N-E-L-L-E. Beautiful. And I will link all of that, your website and Instagram and everything else um, in the podcast caption as well as on Instagram. Um, Jordan, it's been genuinely such a gift to have you on. Um, again, I've listened to a lot of your content and um, I'm really grateful to you for sharing your insights with me and juicy resources. I'm so excited um, to dive into some of them more myself as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.